Hello and welcome to the Royal Meteorological Society's podcast. My name is Hannah Mallinson and I work for the Society as the Science Engagement Manager. We have recently published a new climate briefing paper focusing on the impact of climate change on inland flood risk in the UK and today I am joined by one of the co-authors, Linda Spate. Linda, please do introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Hi, yeah, nice to be with you today, Hannah. Uh, my name's Linda Spate and I'm a researcher at the University of Reading. My research focuses on how we can make the best use of flood forecasts to improve resilience to flood risk. Uh, my background is a little bit in operational forecasting and a little bit covering risk assessment and flood risk modelling. So everything that combines together in this, in this paper about understanding in, inland flood risk. I've also got a co-author on the paper, Carolina. Uh, Carolina is a PhD student at the University of Reading. And her PhD project is looking at how changes to heavy rainfall might affect um, bathing water quality around the UK from runoff from small catchments. So another impact from changing weather patterns. Okay, so if we think about this paper, then um, I think it's helpful to start kind of with the basics. So what exactly is inland flooding and, you know, what causes it? Okay, so in the UK, we've got a number of different types of flood risk. You can get flooding from the coast, which we haven't covered at all in this paper. Uh, but obviously that's from kind of sea level rise and storm surges. Then inland flood risk, which we have discussed here, is um, flooding from rivers. So when the water level in the river gets so high, the water overtops the banks effectively and flows out onto the floodplain. We've also talked about surface water flooding, which is a type of flooding that you get um, often in urban areas, but sometimes um, just when we get really heavy rainfall and the rate of rainfall exceeds the drainage capacity. So either the water can't soak into the soil or it can't get into the sewers and drainage systems fast enough. And then there's a third type of flooding, which is groundwater flooding, which happens over much longer time periods and affects quite small regions of the UK. So again, we haven't discussed that in detail here. So focusing on um, some of those drivers of flooding, such as the rainfall that you mentioned, how will climate change affect those? Climate change is projected to increase the Earth's surface temperature. And there's quite a lot of data on this. And now the new IPPC report is really you know, quite strongly worded saying that the temperature of the earth is, is increasing. Now, theoretically, a warmer air can hold more water. And that means that when it rains, there's more moisture available so that the rainfall is heavier. So that's the theoretical approach. But there's also you know, a number of other factors which affect that, such as the weather systems which drive that rainfall and also the hydrology on the ground. So it's not just the rainfall, it's a little bit more complicated than that. In terms of comparatively, it's quite easy to forecast changes in temperature and then projecting the impact that has on rainfall gets a bit more difficult. And then making projections about actually what's going to happen to the flood impacts on the ground is really quite complicated. Okay. In terms of UK rainfall projections, um, are there kind of differences regionally or seasonally about what we're expecting? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the weather systems we see across the UK at the minute are quite regional. We have wetter weather in the west where we're affected by weather systems coming across the Atlantic. And then on the east of the country, it's a much drier system. The projected changes in rainfall reflect those patterns. So we're going to see the biggest increases on the west and in the north, so kind of the Lake District, parts of Scotland, parts of Wales, uh, where, where it's already wetter at the minute. And those areas are expected to see uh, an increase of up to 40% in kind of winter rainfall. But then on the flip side, we've also got other parts of the country where the concern really is more about drought. So perhaps we're going to see less rainfall overall and higher temperatures in summer. So there's a lot of concern about you know, how we're going to deal with the impact of drought in those areas. So it's, it's not a simple picture for the whole UK and how we deal with that is going 
going to have to take account of these regional differences. Okay, so what did what do these projected changes mean then for UK flood risk? Yeah, so this is where uh, we get into the challenges of how does hydrology work with these kind of meteorological projections about changes in air temperature and rainfall. So not only have you got the changes to the rainfall itself, which may increase, you've also got changes to how the catchment responds to that rainfall. So actually, if we have different systems of weather affecting us, how the catchment responds will be different. So if it's warmer, then actually more water will evaporate um, from the plants and the soil, so then the catchment might be drier. So even when it rains, we might not see a flood in the same way we might have now. And then the thing we might see is uh, more clustering of rainfall events. Um, So then we'd have heavy rainfall for a prolonged period of time, and that is when we would see more flooding. So it's not just the amount of rainfall, well, I think sometimes in climate change projections, we talk about increases to the average rainfall over a whole year. Well, that you know, the average rainfall over a whole year is not what causes flooding. It's how much rain you get over short duration periods of time. So the focus needs to be on understanding the impact on the, on the drivers of flooding rather than rainfall in general. How, if we take a step back here, how do we assess flood risk? Flood risk is normally considered as the probability of an event happening and the impacts of something happening. So are there any buildings, any key infrastructure sites, power stations, motorways, uh, transport networks, or, you know, significant ecosystems or valuable agriculture in the way of the floodwater? So we can have flooding on the floodplain where it's just grass fields. And actually that's designed, that's supposed to happen regularly, and that doesn't create big impacts. It's when we get flooding in these other areas where there are kind of receptors which will be damaged, whether that's ecologically or economically that we have what we consider a risk and then you can also consider the vulnerability so we talk about reducing our flood risk we can think about how we can make our you know infrastructure more resilient so actually even if it floods then there won't be so much damage occurring so when we assess flood risk in the uk we've got a lot of detailed flood maps which are hosted on the environment agency website and those flood maps show the areas which are expected to flood for different types of flood events. So you have, you know, uh, one in a hundred year flood event or a more extreme one in 200 or one in a thousand year flood event. And those um, events are determined based on analysis of historic rainfall and river levels. So here's when we become a bit of an issue with climate change in terms of our climate in the past didn't have these influences happening to it. So when we see the climate changing as the atmosphere gets warmer, it's hard to use the historical data to project what will happen in the future. So instead, we use climate models. So there's a number of climate projection models which will use gridded rainfall data and combine that with the hydrological data on a gridded basis and look at what the impacts will be in the future with these different types of driving atmospheric conditions. So we combine all that together and we produce flood maps. So the flood map basically shows where the water will go. So when the water comes out of the river system, where will it flow to? Where are the low points? Where are the places where that water will pool on the ground? And then on top of that, we add a layer of kind of population data or receptor data, and we can see where the impacts will be. So it's quite an involved process combining all these different bits of information together to try and produce an overall assessment of flood risk. That's really interesting. I've never actually um, thought about all the different factors that come into you know, modelling uh, flood risk. Just thinking back to those scenes of flash flooding that happened, I think it was in London uh, last month. Are there differences between modelling the chance of river flooding versus flash flooding, especially when we're thinking about the, the impact that climate change will play on that? Yes, definitely. And I think this is one of the key areas where um, future research in climate change can, can 
really have an impact in terms of how, how well the science can support our understanding. So river flooding normally occurs where you get rainfall across the river catchments. So some of our large catchments in the UK, like the Thames and the Trent and these kind of big catchments, they take a lot of rainfall over large areas and it takes several days for the river to arise. So those kind of rainfall systems can be picked up by the, the kind of regional climate models. Flash flooding occurs where you have very intense rainfall over a small period of time and a very localised area. So those flooding events we saw in London over the summer, actually you could have been living you know, 10 minutes further away on the other side of London and you wouldn't have seen any rainfall at all. And those kind of rainfall events are smaller than the grid cells on which the climate models run. So therefore they don't pick up um, those kind of what we call convective rainfall systems. So although we know theoretically that those kind of events should increase and they're the ones that actually in the summer we do expect to increase where we've got higher temperatures, more convective energy in the atmosphere and when we get those heavy rainfall events we expect them to be heavier and more intense so more chance of flooding. So it's, it's really new and emerging research which is starting to pick up those trends and you can see where we've started to use the same kind of models that we use to forecast the weather on a daily basis where we've got much smaller grid cells we can start to pick out these kind of events However, those models are expensive to run, so it's quite difficult. They take a long time to run, so we're not yet at the same point as we are with kind of river flooding of being able to project those changes in the future. Okay, hopefully we will get there. Definitely, it's where we're heading. And again, if I just look back at this summer, um, and I'm sure most people will remember these, but we've seen those devastating floods across Europe. And over the past 15 years, as detailed in your paper, we've also seen a number of record-breaking flood events here in the UK. Um, so, for example, during February 2020, there were around 4,600 properties which were flooded during the wettest February on record. Now, it certainly feels like flooding um, is in the news more and more. But are we actually seeing an upward trend in these events? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question and one that often gets asked after any kind of major event. And I think it was really interesting after those floods in Germany that the way that question was answered by climate scientists and hydrologists really changed in the sense that actually we can say now that the rainfall driving these types of events is increasing due to climate change and we're seeing evidence of that. So we know that these type of events are becoming more likely. So when we say that, that means that you know, we might have seen these events once every 10 years, once every 20, 50 years. Actually, now we'll start to see them more frequently. So what was once a one in 10 year event might become a one in eight year event or something like that. So we'll see these big events more more frequently. However, it's still very difficult to say any one individual event was caused by climate change because weather systems are chaotic. So these kind of events happen sometimes, but not all the time. You know, we have these big, intense rainfall events and that's just the way the weather is. So it's very hard to say that any one individual event was due to climate change. But certainly the evidence seems to be saying that the fact we're seeing more and more of these events, you know, that collaborates the fact that we're expecting these events to become more likely. Have there been any attribution studies on recent flooding events to tell us exactly how much more likely events such as last year's flooding in February occurred? This is becoming an interesting area in um, attribution science is to take these events and actually to do this quite quickly after the event. So because the media is so interested in that and we know as a community that you know, there's a small window after these events happen to really get people on board with appreciating how important it is to take action and increase our resilience to flooding. So one of the ways we can do that and link it to the climate change discussion is to be really quick in being able to say actually how much impact has climate change had on this event. So there's a few research groups which do this. They try and gather the data really quickly from an event. 
and try and look at what would have happened if there was no human influence on the atmosphere during those events and then say actually because here's the conditions which currently have happened and we know what what the changes were in terms of human influences to the atmosphere we can see how much more likely that event was to occur so then they're able to say the most recent events so some of the ones we've got in our table there so storm storm desmond in 2015 Storms Cara and Dennis in 2020, um, and the storms in 2013 and 14 in the UK. So they've taken all of these big recent events and they have said that rainfall conditions that led to those events were definitely more likely due to climate change. Towards the end of the paper, you also state that there is an urgent need to increase resilience to flooding. In your opinion, how best can the UK do that? There's clearly a key need to do this. And I'm really hopeful that Though we've had lots of devastating events across Europe and in London over this summer, that has brought this issue to the forefront of policymakers' attention to say, actually, you know, this isn't something that's going to affect us in 10, 20, 30 years' time. This is something we need to do something about now. We're already living with a changing climate and we're seeing the devastation that these kind of events can occur. So what can we do about it? Um, the first thing, I think, which doesn't cost anything at all, is just to accept that these things happen, to keep abreast of this climate change research and say, yes, we know the climate is changing and the impacts of the UK, flooding is expected to be one of those. And flooding is already a key environmental risk in the UK. So it's something that we should be dealing with. Um, and we've made a lot of advances in the UK since the 2007 flood, which is why I've started this paper with that as an example. So we've done a lot already. Things we've done is improve our flood forecasting and warning ability and improve our ability to model and assess the risk of flooding. We've also spent a lot of money on flood protection, building new flood defences, and also on exploring other avenues, so such as natural flood risk management, where we might try and store water upstream of, of at-risk communities. So a lot of work's been done in those areas, and that, that really should be applauded that the UK has done that. But I think, you know, we haven't done enough. There's still a lot more to do. And the recent UK Adaptions Committee report showed that actually the gulf between the risk and what we've done is actually widening rather than narrowing. So we need more research to understand what climate change is going to do for flood risk. And I think that's particularly, as we discussed already, around those small scale convection events. We need more work on that. And we also need to think about how we can increase resilience in our infrastructure. But I think sometimes there's no actions taken because we're waiting till we've got the exact answer. We want to be 100% sure of this before we spend money on it. I think we really need to get beyond that now. I think we've got really good science and evidence which is saying this is a risk we need to take seriously and we need to start doing something now about it. Finally and briefly, what do you consider to be the, the take-home messages of your paper? The key message I would like people to take home from our paper is that climate change will increase the frequency and severity of heavy rainfall for many parts of the UK. We're already seeing evidence of that in recent events. But floods are not just driven by rainfall. The challenge for hydrologists and decision makers is to understand how all the factors link together to prepare for the impacts of climate change on individual rivers and in communities at risk of flooding. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Linda. To those listening, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you would like to read the Understanding the Impact of Climate Change on Inland Flood Risk in the UK briefing paper by Linda and her co-author, Carolina Krupska, or find out about others in the series, please visit our website, www.rmets.org, and also make sure to follow the Society on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks very much for listening.